Money FM 89.3, best of workday afternoon. Market View on Money FM 89.3. It is now time for Market View here on your workday afternoon. And we have JP Ong standing by on the phone lines with us this very hour. JP, I hope you're keeping dry wherever you are um, doing this report from what's happening in the financial world today. Taking a look at how markets here in Singapore, and we always start off with local markets, right, Tim? We have seen markets uh, come back from uh, early losses in today's session, and now the Straits Times Index finds itself marginally in the green. Now, we're up by about three and a half points, but there seems to be just a little bit more stability for markets here and across the region. So we are now at 2,633, and uh, now with about 846 million Singapore dollars in total trades, changing hands or complete value turnover. The picture across the rest of the region also looking fairly encouraging. You see the Nikkei 225 up by 0.9% today. Down in Australia, you see the ASX 200 trading about 0.1% in the green. The cost also up and rising by 9.5 points despite there being worries. Mm-hmm. Some South Korean authorities have warned that there is now officially a second wave of COVID-19 infections and, uh, and cases out in South Korea. Nevertheless, we're seeing the cost be also rebounding, just uh, just holding on to these slight gains. Mainland Chinese shares also looking a bit more uh, confident than they did and a little more relaxed than they did earlier today. The Shanghai comps are trading about four points higher. The Shenzhen boards also trading about 50 points in the green. In Taipei, we're seeing the Taiwan-weighted stock exchange up by about 23 points. And out in Hong Kong, the Hang Seng also about 244 points in the green and rising. So generally, Markets are doing fairly well into this uh, Tuesday session, but that wasn't necessarily the case earlier this morning. In fact, a lot of markets saw a lot of uh, jitters, a bit of uh, bouts of volatility, Tim, because of recent uh, comments from the trade advisor, White House trade advisor, Peter Navarro, who actually said, uh, told Fox News that uh, the phase one trade deal with China is now over, referencing also that, uh, that they signed off on the deal. It is only that the China told the U.S. claims about the coronavirus and that they, they were raising hundreds of thousands of people to, to the U.S. to spread that virus, which is why, which we, some believe is what, what the basis for why he said it was over. Now, trade advisor Peter Navarro later on clarified his comments, said that his, his comments were taken widely out of context. And later on in a tweet, U.S. President Donald Trump actually tried to assuage fears and said that the trade deal with China phase one is still intact and that they hope that China continues and keeps um, uh, keeps uh, sticking to the agreement and honoring some of the facets of that agreement. We also had U.S. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo just a few weeks ago, uh, just a few days ago, in Hawaii, uh, state that uh, China ha- intimated to him that they were uh, planning and continue to uh, uh, and pledging to continue to uh, abide by the uh, by the uh, by the promises of the covenants of the Phase One trade deal. So I think that helped m- calm markets down. But nevertheless, the story, at least for the morning session, was that uh, the sudden risk-off sentiment that's not turned into risk-off, but also shows just how sensitive markets are, not just to developments with regards to COVID-19, but also U.S.-China trade tensions. The very fact that he said it's over suddenly mm-hmm. um, made a, uh, 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 just sparked a lot of jitters in the markets and caused investors to pull back. You're seeing them starting to come back out again. They believe that the waters are safe, and they are now trading in the green today, Tim. Um, but uh, just showing again just how uh, just how jittery and how uh, how easy markets can get spooked as we near the end of the first half. And that's why government officials should be very, very mindful of what they say on air as well. Indeed.
your words matter at these levels, right? Yeah, then. exactly. All right. Uh, elsewhere uh, this afternoon, uh, JP Maple Tree Industrial Trust is acquiring sixty percent or the remaining sixty uh, percent in data centers in the United States. Uh, what do you make out of this? Well, this is a, a big move, and, uh, and what's interesting is that Maple Tree Industrial Trust has asked for a trading pause mm-hmm. a day after they officially joined the Straits Times Index. Now, as you know, Maple Tree Industrial Trust replaced uh, our, the parent company of this station, Singapore Press Holdings, on the SCI yesterday. Right. 24 hours after being added to the SCI, they have now asked for a trading halt because they announced that they are going to be acquiring uh, the remaining interest held in 14 data centers that they sponsor in the United States or in the U.S., so these, so they currently, uh, they're trying to acquire the remaining 60% stake that's being held in a number of data centers in the U.S. for about 211 million U.S. dollars, just almost at that particular uh, part. And it's based on a 60% basis of, uh, of the total value of that portfolio. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's agreed property value of about 823 million U.S. dollars. So how are they going to do this? this is, I think this is also what triggered the announcement or the decision to make the, uh, to uh, to uh, to hold the tra- to uh, ask for a trading halt, Ma- Maple Tree Industrial Trust has announced that they are going to propose a private placement of shares. So they're making a share sale uh, one day after be- joining the SCI in order to raise gross proceeds to, to enable to to enable them to acquire the remaining stake in these data centers. And they're going to make this private placement to try and raise at least 350 million U.S. dollars. So it's a little bit more than what they were trying to um, than what they're trying to at least. Uh, um, what, what they need, at least, to acquire this uh, this additional stake. Perhaps the rest of it's going to go to general working capital purposes. Perhaps the rest of it might go towards perhaps buffering some potential negotiation if, in case, the other party says, hey, you know, maybe we need a little bit more upside on this also. But nevertheless, they're going to try and raise this amount so that they can acquire the 60% stake that still that remains so they can take full control of this portfolio of 14 data centers in the United States. The issue price range, though, for these private placements, though, is at a discount of about five to 2.6 to 5 percent of their volume weighted average price. So this could actually see the share price of Maple Tree Industrial Trust if it starts to get factored in this private placement. Actually, perhaps just to temper the recent gains of Maple Tree Industrial Trust that we saw that that, that have been mounting not just because they were added to the SDI, but also year to date. In mm-hmm. fact, when you look at the Straits Times Index, and Maple Tree Industrial Trust is the second best performer, just behind their uh, their, their cousin. Um, REIT, uh, for lack of a better term, Maple Tree Logistics Trust, which is the best year to date. But Maple Tree Industrial Trust is up more than 9.5% since the start of the year, at least their share price, so their, their unit price. So they've been doing quite well. We'll see what this actually does to their share price moving forward. But it's a very salient move because a lot of folks have been highlighting that data centers are going to become a very, uh, it has a lot of long-term and structural upside to it because of the uh, growing demand for data, especially because of the the COVID-19 pandemic, and also the uh, the added uh, or the additional demand, at least, for data, for working from home, for bandwidth also, which will make data centers actually very important moving forward. It's also in an industry that Singapore is trying to, is starting to see a more enlarged footprint in slowly, but surely, Maple Tree Industrial Trust, as we've heard of Keppel, DC, all making these moves. So Maple Tree Industrial Trust is trying to get ahead of the game right now mm-hmm. and uh, enlarge their, their footprint in the uh, in the uh, in the data center space, and they're going to try to raise at least uh, at least 350 million U.S. dollars to make this acquisition 
so they can they, they can purchase it and then have some more cash on the site as well. All right. Well, let's talk about something that uh, I know nothing about, and that's uh, Baiju for the Baiju, <laughs> yeah, Baiju, which is uh, for those who uh, don't know, a Chinese distilled wine. I- I'm not sure if this is something you drink or uh, you do, right? Is. This is like a very potent sort of liquor. Yes, it is actually. Um, and I, there's I, a lot there's of money a, going around in this uh, industry. It looks like absolutely. It's actually it's arguably the most uh, the most uh, the uh, the most uh, sold uh, or or purchased uh, liquor in the world now because of the demand in China. Now, Baijiu is a very potent uh, form of liquor um, uh, that that's a very popular. Can be made out of many different kinds of grains. Sorghum is usually one of the uh, grains that they use for this. Mm. And the largest liquor, um, the largest purveyor of this in the in in China is a group called Kuichao Mokai Group. So we have another company that's listed here on the main board called Zhongmin Baihui Retail Group, and, it's, and they've just announced that they are going to be purchasing about 36 tons of Baijiu from Mokai, actually worth about 23.6 million Singapore dollars. Now Zhongmin Baihui actually owns and operates about a, a dozen department stores and supermarkets in, in the Fujian province of China, okay. and they've decided to sign this direct sales agreement with Kuechou Motai. They're going to be buying about 30 tons of Feitian Motai, which is about 53% uh, proof, I believe, and also about one and a half tons of uh, Kuechou Motai itself and uh, Jingbin Motai. So they're, they're buying a number of these brands, but I think it's very interesting that they're doing this also because if you, if you track what happened yesterday, one of the big, big uh, news items in uh, mainland China yesterday was that Baijiu, which was at the Kuechou Motai, that is, their mm-hmm. share price has been on a tear for the last year and a half. And yesterday, they officially became the largest company in all of mainland China in terms of market cap. And we're talking larger even than the largest bank in the world in terms of assets, and that's ICBC. This is, uh, this is China's largest bank with the largest amount of assets under their, on their balance sheet in the entire world. And despite that, we saw, Zongmin, uh, we saw Kuechou Motai's market cap actually surpass um, ICBC's uh, market cap on the Shanghai Stock Exchange. I believe right now, in terms of renminbi, it's about 1.8, uh, just uh, just a little 1.8 trillion yuan in terms of market cap, and they are the largest in in mainland China. They've been going from strength to strength. A lot of analysts say that as Chinese consume consumption continues to pick up and recover from the COVID-19 pandemic, you're going to see more demand actually for liquor. And for Baijiu, actually, there, which and Kuechou uh, Motai might actually be in a pole position, actually, to take advantage of this. And Zhongmin Baihui, which is also listed here in in in, in Singapore, has mm. expressed their interest in in, the, in making sure that they have more supply that they can sell at their department stores out in Fujian Province. So, just a very interesting piece of uh, uh, bit of news, at least, regarding Zhongmin Baihui. Uh, their executive chairman actually saying that they're proud to be among the reputable companies to sign distribution agreements with Kuechou Motai Group. And what else can stop this uh, this this, uh, this uh, liquor giant that might be actually the largest uh, liquor uh, liquor purveyor in the entire world at this point? Okay, I am uh, actually, the reason why I don't know anything about Baijiu is because I don't drink, but is this something similar <laughs> to the Japanese... That's something better, actually. Uh, there's the Japanese uh, rice wine as well. And, uh, and the oh. 
Well, I tried both. This is definitely uh, this potent. is a couple of weight classes above sake. If you if you if that's sake, what you're yeah, to. that's yes. that's the thing. Well, my grandfather used to do wines, but hey, I don't drink. So anyway, uh, one last <laughs> thing. It, we were talking about this last week. The Aunt Jemima, you know, brand and all that. Uh, all these American brands trying to rebrand themselves uh, for you know a sign of the times. But now the one of the real Aunt Jemima. Um, uh, ambassador's family says they don't want this to happen. Hmm. This is interesting, too. I, I, again, it just goes to show how delicate and how complex this particular discussion is because you have the family that actually started Aunt Jemima or benefited from Aunt Jemima also saying that, benefited. you know, this, this is probably not going, uh, this is probably not something we would like to do. Perhaps they're also seeing this a bit of a legacy issue mm. on their part. I mean, again, we're talking again about the, what was it again, Tim? 130 years? 138 years, yeah. 138 years, and this could actually carry some uh, added meaning for some of the families that promote this. But uh, you know, this is a discussion I think that uh, honestly the African American community will have to have amongst themselves, and they're the only ones who, who really have the authority or the legitimacy to have this amongst themselves. Because mm. as you can see, it's not unanimous that they all feel that this is a ra- this is promoting a racial stereotype that's detrimental to their particular um, ethnic uh, group. It's uh, it's uh, because as we see. The family of uh, that of uh, the Aunt Jemima faith, for lack of a better term, has voiced that they you know, you know we're we're not exactly on board for, with this, and we actually would like uh, for this to continue. There could also be some uh, there could be some uh, retail and branding rights there also. I'm not sure exactly if that family actually receives uh, royalties mm. for having that particular uh, trademark on on the Aunt Jemima pancake syrup. Also, uh, but, but but again, there, there's so many. Uh, there's so many layers, I think, to this particular topic. Yes, people should have this conversation. I think it, the conversation should continue, but we have to acknowledge that there's a lot that it's not a simple or clear cut as some as uh, some would hope it to be. And having said that, I transferred my Quaker oatmeal into a clear jar so I don't have to see that <laughs> face. But I realized the face is now updated and younger and smiling. It wasn't as scary as it I used to remember it to be. You just refused to so look at it. You've gone back to the Quaker oats. And yeah, honestly, Tim, I'm still a bit more shocked that the Canadian prefers Aunt Jemima maple <laughs> over his it's, own maple it, syrup. It's the butter-flavored so, syrup. I'm still scratching my head at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, coming up uh, on Primetime tonight, you'll be with uh, Rachel Kelly. What's on? So we'll be talking to Jeff Haley uh, later on. He's the um, senior market analyst for uh, Owanda to take stock actually of that very, uh, very interesting and very turbulent start to markets where we saw a bit of, uh, of risk, off, risk off, risk on that was really influencing markets also. And to take uh, to take stock of how this is changing sentiment mm. uh, for, for for stocks, we have seen a very strong start to the month of June, um, and with a couple, with a lot of uh, glaring question marks at least especially with regards to COVID-19 infections, could this actually prompt a second wave of uh, a second set of uh, social restrictions, sheltering in place across these major economies? And also we'll be tracking a lot of these stocks that tend to benefit, uh, that tended to benefited during these shelter in place moments. We actually, uh, overnight, we actually saw Netflix do quite well in the United States. But in contrast, Nintendo which was actually doing quite well when when the when the uh, when a lot of these questions and these uncertainties started to rise, they're actually trading in the red out in uh, Japan today. So again, going to goes to show that uh, you know again, gauging market sentiment or trying to get a get 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 a pulse, uh, get, get get an accurate pulse of how the markets are feeling and sentiment, it's also not as clear cut.
All right. Uh, we'll listen in on prime time then uh, later on this afternoon from four o'clock. JP Ong, thank you very much uh, for that. And uh, we'll see you again tomorrow. That's JP Ong there with Market View right here on the Workday Afternoon. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SBH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.